Welcome to the Healing Trauma and CPTSD Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Coven. I'm a certified trauma recovery and resilience coach, and this podcast is all about hope and recovery. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode. We are continuing in our series looking at different trauma healing modalities. I have to say, I have been thoroughly enjoying my conversations with different people who share different modalities. And, you know, whether you are at the very, very beginning of your journey, where you are starting, like many of my own clients, to say, wow, this actually has a name, or whether you have been um, on this journey of trauma healing and wanting to know more about the different modalities and options. I know that this information is helpful. And that's really, you know, the heart, the cry of our hearts, I think, for those of us who have been through trauma, is that we just want to know that there is help out there. And we want to kind of have some sort of a roadmap or choice in how we're going to go about that. So uh, I love to be able to provide that for you because I know that that is something that I really, really needed. And um, I hope that if this can help you in any way, Um, It just makes me really happy. So today I'm sitting down with Eileen Smith and Eileen is going to be talking about somatic experiencing. She is a certified professional coach. She's also uh, holds a master's degree in mental health counseling and a master's degree in exercise physiology. Her work is deeply rooted in the principles of somatic experiencing and attachment theory. And through this discussion, you're going to learn about what is somatic experience, how does it work, how can it be helpful for healing trauma. I really do hope that you find this episode helpful. Hello. Hi, Eileen. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Well, I'm I'm really happy to be able to um, have this conversation with you about somatic experiencing. Um, I wanted to start by saying how much I really enjoyed your book um, that you recently wrote called Moving Beyond Trauma, The Roadmap to Healing from Your Past and Living with Ease and Vitality. I really loved it. It, um, it gave me a really good understanding and feel about how somatic experiencing works. And I thought it would be so awesome to have a conversation with you so that people could get um, a better understanding of somatic experiencing, how it works, what it is, how it can help with the um, healing of trauma. Yeah, so maybe we could start, Eileen, with with just a general question, which I know is going to be a biggie. And that is like, what is somatic experiencing? Well, um, it's always a good place to start. And of course, it can lead us to about 5,000 different conversations. (laughs) I know. Um, But but just to give you a background about somatic experiencing, it was developed by a man named Dr. Peter Levine. And Dr. Levine was trying to understand how animals in the wild don't get traumatized and people do. And what he, what he um, 
what he learned was that animals have an innate um, an intuitive way of of biologically completing the trauma. So basically what they do is they shake off the trauma. But I think what would be helpful is to define trauma from his perspective. And he believes that trauma is not necessarily about an event, but it's about the energy that gets locked in your body around real or perceived threat, which to me makes perfect sense because if you understand the biology and the neuroscience of what happens to the body when we feel threat, this would all make perfect sense. So, um, because our bodies, when we when we are with threat, real or perceived, what our bodies do is they go into their survival instincts of fight or flight. If fight or flight doesn't work, then the body will go into a freeze. Right. So then what we have to do is then, um, so that all that energy, right. When, when we threatened, it gets locked in the body. And so his belief is that we have to, we have to expel, we have to have, find some way to expel that energy. And the way, um, what we see with animals is they shake off the trauma and we, you know, in the somatic experiencing process, what you see often is when you're working through some sort of traumatic experience with someone, there's, there's, I've never not seen this happen. There's always some sort of desire to spontaneously move the body. Really? You've never, you've never not seen the body respond in some kind of physiological, behavioral mannerism. Exactly. as you're working. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So even if it's someone not even aware of it, like they might be moving their leg, um, mm-hmm. they might do something with their hands. Their, I mean, there's always some sort of spontaneous movement to try to regulate the nervous system. Because if you think about it, what's happening to the nervous system is a dysregulation when there's, when there's threat to the body. Right. I'm just, I'm just thinking about you know, those with developmental trauma or the chronic kind of trauma that was ongoing and that, you know, people went into fight and flight chronically, the energy that they must be carrying and how that plays out in their present experiences. Uh, you know, well, here we have complex trauma. Um, so, okay. Can you, um, again, continue explaining what is somatic experiencing? Sure. But, but I think you're bringing up, before we even I keep going, I think sure. like one of the things that you're saying is so important is that because we have so many people walking around with complex trauma, I guess what we're labeling today is complex PTSD. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to, for people to understand that that what let's even start with defining what that is. It's, it's chronic stress in the body. So it's if, if, a, if a child is under under constant stress, what does that ultimately do to their nervous system? Mm-hmm. And so we know that um, fight or flight is only meant for acute um, states. It's only meant for short bursts of energy to help a person mobilize and um, de- and as their defense strategies. Mm-hmm. And so, what happens when that gets stuck in the on position? And so what you see is a person who's, who's had complex trauma 
will constantly live in some sort of there, there's an overactivation in yeah. the nervous system or right. A fight or flight didn't work. What does that person do? And you see this a lot with complex trauma is someone who looks totally calm and what they really are is shut down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We see so much of that. I'm sure you see that a lot yeah. with your patients. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, um, so from, so back to the, the original question of what somatic experiencing is. So in the process of working, um, somatic in somatic experiencing with someone with complex trauma you're going to slowly slowly move them out of those those uh, fight or flight or freeze states and you're going to help them you're going to help them on system to create more of a of a balance in the nervous system by continually building the body as a safe container so that they can actually move through their experiences without having to go into that immediate fight or flight. And because a lot of times with complex trauma, we know that there's a constant um, feeling like there's threat when threat is really not there. So, yes. I mean, what, right, what we see with someone with complex trauma is that maybe that's that person that is reacting to you in a way that you're completely complex. Maybe they're they're, um, they're yelling at you when you just said, can I help you? You know, like mm -hmm. there's, so they're, they're that perceived threat when it's not there. And so we have to work in somatic experiencing. We're working to help, help create more accuracy, um, for the body to sense real and perceived danger, um, appropriately. And so what we do is we help the individual move through each experience and to build resilience in their system so that um, they don't they don't um, they don't move in you know don't move in these fight or flight um, places when that when it's not necessary okay so I'm listening to you mm -hmm. and it's it's making sense because we're talking about it from the body perspective and I think when we've tried to address it from the cognitive and we've said, okay, you know, there's no real threat going on and your brain and mind is saying, yeah, I know. But then why is my body still responding that way? Right. So I want to know, and I'm sure the listeners want to know, all right, so then what are some of the ways or what are some of the um, tools that SE helps you to do that with the body? Right. So it's very, right. It's very different than that cognitive process of trying to override what the body's doing. So in SE, it's um, when we bring the body into the process and we allow the person to, for, number one, to have some sort of biological completion around the experience, they're going to start building more, they're going to start building a sense of mastery that they they've been able to have some experience where they they actually can defend themselves and like for example like i had a i had a patient who um was uh was abused was bullied and abused as a child when he went to camp and he we started working through an experience that he had and i said we'll just call him joe i said joe if you had some possible way to have defended yourself during that experience what would you have done and that brought that and so that brought in i and he said i would have kicked and i would have punched back and i would have defended myself and i said well show me what you would have wow. done wow and joe got into the movement of what it would have 
looked like and what it would have felt like for him to have defended himself. And, you know, he, the movement started, I said, just, I just kept doing the movement and the tears started oh, coming. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he was crying and he was kicking and he was punching and, and we moved. That was the biological completion of yeah. that experience. So when we do that, that the person um, will feel some sense of mastery over the experience. Yes. Okay. That is, that's amazing. So, so what you're doing is you are bringing the body into the experience that happened in the past by sort of recreating it. um, But the body, as we know, the body doesn't know past, present, future. It's it's re-experiencing it. But like you said, with mastery, yeah, and that's and that's the key to getting to finding that biological completion. So I and I would say, you know, just to add to the, this, what is somatic experiencing? We are going to do talking in the process, but the talking is really about getting to the real story of what's happening in the body. Mm. Okay. Yeah, wow. <laughs> right, because the body never lies. Right. Like you, you can you can tell yourself a story all day long. Mm-hmm. But if the body is experiencing it differently, it, it will override it at some point. It's and it's like you have to remember, like every single, every single emotion has a sensation, and every single experience has a sensation. If you think about it, we talk about anxiety. Is anxiety in your head or in your body? It's in your body. Right. Like, how do you like, and I, this is like what we, one of the things we'll do in somatic experiences, you know, someone else come in and I say, well, I feel sad today, or I feel anxious. And my first question is not, why do you feel anxious? Mm -hmm. It's always, well, how do you know you feel anxious? And, and they're not there. There's always, there's always sensory pieces that come along Mm -hmm. with it. So that, so everything that we do in the talk part of SE is about bringing the body into the process. It's about using, it's about building resources. It's not about tell me what happened when you were five, Mm -hmm. because we know that, that one of the things we know is that going over the story over and over doesn't really resolve it. A lot of times it just brings us back into Mm -hmm the trauma without having any sort of resolution. So the bringing the body in is really that way of of resolving it. Yeah. There's two things I hear here. I I hear this is such a wonderful way of helping people get into the present moment, because as we know, this is one of the, the difficulties when you've been through trauma is being able to stay present. And by, by saying, you know, I feel sad and then kind of staying in your head, you're, you're, you're telling them, what do you feel? Like, how do you feel? What are the sense? What does sadness feel like? And so by doing that very act, they're getting in the present moment. They're getting in their body. Right. And a lot of times, and we know this, you know, it's even, you know, it's not, and it's sometimes it's not as easy as it may sound, especially with someone with complex trauma, mm-hmm. because a lot of times, as we know, especially if someone is in that free state, they, are, they have, they have subconsciously made the decision to disconnect in their body so they don't have to, they don't have to feel what they're experiencing. Right. So a lot of times, you know, it's very threatening for someone that's had a lot of trauma to get into their body. Yeah. So we have to, we have to go so slowly and sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's, we have to do things very gently so that the body doesn't shut down or get threatened. Um, and a lot of times what I like to do is, um, 
and I do a lot of touch work in my practice if a client is ready for it. Um, but, you know, I'll use temperature like heat and cold on different parts of the body to help them get some sort of connection to the body without feeling threatened. Mm, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I have to be really careful, you know, when it, to not, I mean, I think there's always that fine dance, especially with a lot of complex trauma is, is to make sure that we don't, we don't threaten the body in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or overwhelm it, overwhelm which, it, yeah. which, which I know talking does because we experience what we're feeling and thinking in the moment. So yeah, this is just another way. The other thing that I was thinking about as you were describing it was how, when we've had these, these traumatic experiences in the body, there is no words. I think Peter Levine might say it's a wordless experience, but it's, it's because there is no words. There is no vocabulary to describe the intense sensation of what's happening. And so that in itself makes sense why addressing the body, because there's no language to even explain the experience of um, the overwhelm in the body. No, it's really true. And if you think about it, what happens when someone is in fight, flight, or freeze, the part of their brain that is, um, is dominant is what we call the reptilian brain. And the reptilian brain, you know, it doesn't know anything other than sensation. You know, our cognitive and our highest, highest functioning brain goes completely offline. Mm-hmm. So if you think about, you think about how the brain is operating and what, what, part, what part is lit up, it's going to be the brainstem. It's going to be all those parts that, um, where, where we hold our fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. 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 And so, um, I'm thinking about a lot of people will say, I don't remember what happened to me, uh, in my childhood or my trauma. So can SE still help if you cannot, if you don't have a memory of, of what course, happened? Of course. Um, you know, it's because when we start, the process of um, of talking in SE, things will because we're not going. We're actually right. We're taking that person. We're building that totally safe container, and even when we, well, you know, we talk about other things. We might talk about joyous memories. We might talk about places. And, and if someone doesn't remember, it's fine. We can we can start building. And this is often what happens. We might start working with other things that they do remember. And then that might be a great platform to start building some resilience and resourcing. So like, let's say, for example, someone comes in and says, you know, I I don't, I've never felt joy in my life. I've never felt, you know, I've never felt any sense of happiness. And then you start dropping into, you might start dropping into, well, was there a time in your life where you, where, where maybe you have a moment where you felt some sense of joy, right? And, And everybody has, something, right? We can find something. So then we start building using that as resourcing. So sometimes the best place to start is to help someone build that foundation of some sense of safety before we even ever get to anything else. And and once a person starts feeling safe, what I've noticed is that people, that things start coming back. Oh, we start, we start building some sense of safety, um, and that resourcing that becomes a beautiful foundation to eventually get into some the, the places where the person feels felt some threat. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. 
And it's, it's such an organic, I mean, the thing with Essie, it's such an organic process. Like sometimes you don't even know, like I'll be with a client and, 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 you know, we'll start out and they might come in and say, you know, I have nothing, I, I have nothing this week. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. We don't, we, you know, we can just talk about anything and if talking about anything often leads to something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you've had that experience. Yeah, right? no, de- definitely. Always. Um, so another thing that, you know, we hear a lot about how people who have ha- experienced, you know, the chronic um, stress and, and childhood trauma, their window of tolerance is very narrow. And so, and, and I'm sure people can, can relate to that feeling of life feeling very rigid, not, not really being able to adapt well to change and how, you know, the hope is, is that the body can become more um, flexible and kind of go with the flow instead of feeling totally threatened and that they're going to fall apart with any change. Can you talk a little bit about how, how that can happen with SE? Yeah. So like the goal, right, of SC is to bring in more ease and vitality and mm-hmm. create a life that feels more fluid. And my belief is that that has to, that the only way that really happens is when we regulate the nervous system. And so what is SC really doing? SC is working to, um, right, if we take someone out of that fight, fight, flight, or freeze, and we create more balance in their nervous system that's where the work starts. I think that foundationally, that's really what we're trying to do is to balance the nervous system. And so as we create more of that biological completion and we discharge some of that intense energy out of the body, what's going to happen to the nervous system? It's going to be able to, the window of tolerance is going to get bigger. So Mm -hmm. the idea of, of, of SE is to, is to build a bigger basin of resilience. And that has, that happens, right? As our systems feel less and less threatened. So, okay. So now I'm thinking of a a practical thing. Okay. Okay. In my mind, I'm thinking I'm a client, I come for SE and I've had repeated experiences of um, overwhelm because of the trauma, whether it was sexual abuse chronically or, and so you're, you're working with the client. Do you, to release the, the discharge, do you have to do many, many, many memories? Do you do one memory? I mean, kind of, can you kind of give us a little feel of, of how a person would be able to experience a lot of release of discharge? Would they have to, you know, do it many, many times? Well, I, I think, I mean, look, every, every client is different. I, and I can tell you, and this is what I tell clients all the time is, is especially with a lot of chronic, uh, chronic, chronic stress, is that the slower we go, the faster we're going to get there. So we, we, ha- we have to go slow. So it's mm-hmm. not like it's the, we might get it, you know, we might get into some of the memories. Some of it might also be that piece that I was talking about earlier about just building more resilience, building more resources, you know, having that person recognize and having their body recognize that they have the ability to move through things without getting into that overwhelm and, and working in that way. So we may work through something and they may have that experience of, um, wow, like I made it through that, right? Like the, the kid that was bullied, the, the, the you know, my client Joe, mm-hmm. who is bullied, right? 
And so that, that experience, we might have, we might move through that experience and something big might shift or something little might shift. Right. But every single one of those experiences is going to build on the next one. Okay. And so Mm -hmm. it's really, it depends on the client. Like, you know, if, if there's someone with who, um, let's say it was a car accident, that's going to look very different than someone who has something that's more syndromal. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, so it just really depends on the person. It depends. You know, a lot of times um, people will get to me after they've done a bunch of other work. Um, so I'd say it's really case by case. But so it can be it can be a couple of things that we move through or it may take a longer, you know, a longer um, stretch of time. But what I know is that each time a client moves through an experience, there's definitely an organic shift in that in the nervous system. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that that makes it makes so much sense. It really, really does. Um, I've shared this before on my podcast, but it's interesting. I've never shared it with, um, with, uh, let's say, a, an SE therapist. But why this makes sense to me with, with the body wanting to complete is I personally had my own experience um, because I lived through chronic um, trauma where I wanted to, you know, uh, fight and flight, want to get out over and over again. And I found um, in my early thirties, I would get into these states every single day where I would be triggered in my home, let's say around a mess. And my body would, would literally like need to run out of the house and just run out. And I had absolutely no idea why this was happening, why I just couldn't stay in my kitchen. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And this happened for years. And I had no idea. It felt familiar. But but what I see now, which is so incredible, is that my body was trying to complete what it needed to do a couple of decades before and was trying to complete it then. That's like, that's uh, absolutely, it blows my mind. But it it goes back to like the whole thing of the body is so intuitive as as, like, if we like, think about it as children, we are so good at listening to our bodies before, before we get infected by the chronic trauma and stress. Mm -hmm. Think about how intuitive we are as little kids how we move around, right? Had the joyfulness in our bodies, how yeah. we discharge that energy. I mean, it's so intuitive. Oh, no, that's so true. Even a child who takes a little fit, yep. he's done. And then he goes on with his day. <laughs> it's, but, but we lose, we lose that ability yeah. um, to, you know, to, to do that. And it's like, I think one of the things I would say about SE is that we're teaching the body how to get reconnected with itself in that way. To be able to to be able to find those intuitive things that are going to regulate the nervous system that are going to help us discharge that energy. Mm-hmm. So I love yeah, that. It's, it's like, and I can tell you, like from my own personal um, experience, like you know, I I did as a student of SE, I also um, became a patient of the work, and I had um, you know I had a childhood with chronic stress and trauma, you know, wound up with a bunch of eating disorders and exercise disorders, and I found that through the process of SE, I learned how to be joyful in my body again, 
And it's all like all, and I, I over-exercised for years. And like, even that piece, like my body just, when it started to feel safe again, it's like, I didn't need, I didn't need all of that you know, constant activation and overstimulation in my body. My body wanted something that was more balanced. It just, it just, it just intuitively went there. Mm, organically. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And that was after spending years, you know, trying to resolve, resolve all the eating disorder stuff. Wow. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's, it, it makes sense. It makes sense because we are part of nature and, and nature is resilient as we see. So why wouldn't our body be the same way? Wow. Yeah. I love that. It's it's, it's pretty that. it's pretty amazing stuff. And I think the other thing with Essie that's so important is it really does teach um teach the individual how to bring themselves out of that fight or flight and, and into the higher level of what humans are really built for is using the social engagement system. And to be connected and to have a sense of community and a sense of purpose and vitality and, and joy. But, you know, all through, through at that point, when you can feel safe in your body, then you can start connecting and feeling more connected with other people. Yeah. And finding yeah. safe connection. You know, I think that's another piece of that chronic trauma and stress is that, you know, what, what we tend to get used to is not being in safe connection. And that's what we pull towards. Yeah. So when you start feeling more of a sense of safety within yourself, you're going to choose different kind of connection and relationship. I love that. I was going to ask you about um, a little bit about where attachment fits into this attachment with self, which you're describing a little bit. And then, you know, for those who've had attachment wounds, uh, how does Essie kind of play into that? Wait, do you know anyone that hasn't had attachment wounds? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Um, yeah, right? like oh, attachment. I mean, it's amazing because um, I think one of the one of the things that goes um, well with with Essie is there's um, this thing called NARM NARM training. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't. I forget what it stands for, but um, you know, I think that the you know, learn the attachment style has so much to do with um, how our bodies are going to respond and react to everything. So um, I think, you know, it's like, I'm like, and I pay a lot of attention to this because I'm, I'm, I'm hyper aware of this in my own life and how I start attaching when I get into relationship and all of, all of that stuff. And Mm -hmm. then where my body stops feeling safe and, I'm always fascinated about this part with clients too. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of the work that I do will be around attachment style as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a huge piece. Huge. Huge. Yeah. And so I'm imagining for Essie, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think this goes to like, you know, really all therapeutic relationships is building that, that trust and that empathetic witness and that empathetic uh, relationship between the therapist and the or the coach and the um and the client. Oh right? yeah, it's huge. Yeah. I think it's one huge. of the like I think it's the first piece that has to come yeah. intact. Like I always like to think that if I can build a safe container between myself and the client and the client can attach to me in a safe way, eventually I'm going to sh- show them how to attach to themselves in that way too. Mm. 
beautiful. Yeah, I just it's so it's everything. I mean, how do you get any work done if there's not that level of safety between oh, and can't? Absolutely. No, I mean, they're not going to feel safe enough to share or to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That is the first step. Wow. Well, this was just really I, I love this conversation. So before we end, is there anything you want to add that I haven't asked you or? Um, I'm just trying to think. No, I mean, I think God, we, this was a beautiful conversation. It was, it was, I really appreciated it. And well, again, like I'm going to mention your book because I, I loved it. And if people are more interested in finding out uh, about it, so it's called, so it's Eileen Smith and it's called moving beyond trauma, the roadmap to healing from your past and living with ease and vitality. And I just want to say, I first got the book and then I said, oh, I wanted an audio and uh, which I personally love. So it's also available on audio. Um, and also how could people get in touch with you if they want to find out more about your work? Um, so um, feel free to go to my website, which is EileenSmith.com and Eileen is I-L-E-N-E. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Eileen Smith Healing and Facebook. And, you know, people are welcome to DM me or just email me with any questions that they have. Awesome. Great. Okay. Well, thank you again for your time. Really appreciate it. Oh, my God. Thank you so, so much. This is great. (laughs) Okay. Take take care. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you would like to find out more information with regards to my coaching options, you could reach me on my website at www.cbtsdcoach.com. You can visit me on my Facebook and Instagram page at cbtsdcoach. Mm-hmm.